Welcome to Crosswords, the podcast about practical Christianity. What does it look like to walk in Jesus' footsteps? How do I live in a culture hostile to godliness? These are questions that we will answer as we get our minds and heart on Jesus. Good afternoon, family. Such a great pleasure and honor to be with you on this first day of the week. Last week, we began to build the Gateway Vision on faith. Our project Gateway is about restoration, reconciliation, and renewal. That's our tag. And we're not able to experience these three R's unless we build on the rock, on Jesus Christ, as Jesus says the wise person does taking in his word and acting upon it. Faith building is intentional, as we reviewed last week. It's active and it's risky, but without risk to the flesh, there is no reward to the soul. Without getting off of the cliff of safety, there is no blessed life to experience. In our second message of the Gateway series, we're going to get into the human heart now. Because God is not interested in our things, but in our heart. We put way too much value in things and sometimes not enough in relationships. For people like me, who are less relational, we're more analytical, that can be quite the challenge. But God demonstrated his love for us, as the Bible says, by the extent of his sacrifice for us, displayed so clearly on a Roman cross. So there is a way the Lord Jesus seeks that validation in us as well. The extent of what we give up for him, that is the gateway to the heart. Humans do not see what the Lord sees, for humans see what is visible, but the Lord sees the heart. 1 Samuel 16 verse 7. So let's explore the heart of giving today. There's been a lot of talk lately about charity given by billionaires all over the world. People like to flaunt these numbers. Jeff Bezos, founder of Amazon, gave $10 million to the Museum of History and Industry in Seattle in 2011. Gordon Moore, co-founder of Intel, gave $100 million to launch a nursing school in the University of California. Bill Gates, founder of Microsoft, donated $589 million, bigger than the GDP of some small countries, towards various charities and works. I mean, these are huge numbers. And this may put to shame what we consider charity on our behalf, right? Uh, some of you may even think, well, what's even the point of giving if I don't even earn a living wage, or if I live paycheck to paycheck, how can I, how can I compare myself to these numbers? But that's the heart speaking. We're, we're impressed by these amounts. I don't know about you, but I'm impressed when I look at that. I'm like, wow, okay, that is giving. Because we perceive this amount, but can we really read the human heart behind this kind of giving. So let's observe with the eyes of Jesus for a moment, and let's see what Jesus notices when people give. 
Mark chapter 12, verse 41. As Jesus sat facing the temple offering box, he watched, watched, how much money people put in. Many rich people put in large amounts, just like we saw, you know, Jeff Bezos, Bill Gates, you know, putting large amounts. Jesus was always very observant. He's a student of the people. I mean, he created people. He loves people. He's very curious about what people do. I didn't create my children, but I saw them born, and I'm interested in them, and I like to know what they're doing as well. I like, uh, like to always know what's going on in their minds. And uh, imagine how much Jesus wants to know. And I wonder how he felt as he saw the rich people, as it says here, putting in large amounts of money. I wonder if he was impressed by that as much as me. Because, you know, when I look at what Bill Gates gave, I might even be jealous, a little jealous of how much he gave. In 2019, he donated $589 million. His net worth of that year, though, was $110 billion, with a B, okay? So I did a little calculating. You know, I like, I'm an, an analytical guy, like I said, so I like to break it down, see what this all means. So when I crunched the numbers, he made $32.8 million a day. You can't even imagine that, can you? 32.8 million a day, which is 11 billion 972 million a year. I don't even understand that. I'm like, okay, whatever. <laughs> Just a bunch of numbers for me. <laughs> and, and websites all over love to say how generous this guy is. And you and I would say the same, right? Like, wow, this guy's generous. But they don't really talk about the percent of what that means. You know, how much of a percent did he give? And really what it comes down to is 5%. That year, 5% of his wealth. You probably gave more than he did. You probably gave more than he did. See, when we break it down to the percent, then the numbers become a little more real. God gave the Jews a ballpark. Because sometimes we don't know. We're ignorant. You know, I grew up uh, going to a different church. And my dad every Sunday would give me a dollar to put in. It wasn't even my dollar. Right? It was his dollar. <laughs> and he gave it to me. And, and I put it in. I thought I was giving. Hey, I gave a dollar. You know? So when I became a Christian and Sunday came along for the collection plate, I took my dollar out. And I said, I gave. I gave. Then I had to learn <laughs> uh, how much is expected. We don't know. But the Bible does tell us. In the Old Testament, what we give is called the tithe. You've probably heard of that, right? And what does that mean? Tithe really means a tenth part. One-tenth of a whole. So the first time we read of someone practicing tithing was with Abraham, way before the law was given. We see in the story of Abraham that he gave Melchizedek a tenth of everything he had. Now, we got to clarify that because a tithe doesn't mean a tenth of my net pay. That's how we, most of us would define it today. Oh, a tenth of my net pay. It doesn't even mean a tenth 
of my gross pay, which we'd be like, hey, no gross, net, right? I'd like to point that out. But it's not even that. It's a tenth of everything. You own a house? Include that. You own a car? Include that. And we're like, wait a minute. <laughs> that's getting a little, that's a little too much. How do you know that? Well, when we examine that one-tenth given in the scriptures, it was not necessarily according to income, but even, but much more how you made that year or how much you had accumulated that year. That's what we read in the Mosaic law, in the Torah, is your net, what we would call your net worth today. And you don't know what that is? Download Mint, put in your mortgage and your house value and your car value and what you earn, and Mint will tell you your net worth. Some of you don't want to know. <laughs> Some of you are like, yeah, you know, I bought my house at a good time, so my net worth is up there. But yes, it's one-tenth of your net worth. That's what the Mosaic law required of every Jew. doesn't matter how much you made. Whether you were poor, whether you were rich, it was one-tenth of your net worth. So let's crunch some numbers, right? Let's apply that now to us, to this tithe. Now, I'm not saying the tithe is what God expects of us now. We'll get to that a little later. But just out of curiosity, right? How much would that be? If I make $30,000 a year, reasonable salary, although now I think it's below the poverty level, right? 30000 I made less than that when I started working as a teacher. Let's say I make $30,000 a year, okay, and I give 10%, which is what was required of the poorest Jew. So that equates to $3,000 a year. And I'm just talking gross salary at this point, right? I'm just going by the gross. Some of you say, yeah, it is gross. That can represent a $57.70 contribution to the church every week. So if I want to be faithful, you know, like the poorest Jew, and I make $30,000 a year, okay, 10% of my gross would be $57.70 a year. And, and I'm good, right? But let's say now that I own a house. If I own a house and a car, some of us do, and uh, let's say the house is worth $500,000, right? That's not what I paid for it, but it's worth $500,000 in today's market. Because, see, when you talk about net worth, it's not how much you paid for the house. <laughs> it's how much it's worth in today's market, right? Uh, and we don't like that when it comes to taxes, right? Let's say the car is worth $40,000. You might say, Pedro, what kind of car are you driving? $40,000. And so now, including all of this, how much then would be my net worth? Holy moly, 507, I'm, not, I'm never going to make that in my life, <laughs> but that's how much my net worth would be. How much is my contribution now? Uh, 57,000 a year, my 10%, which comes to 1,096? Weekly contribution? You gotta be kidding! Do you think you give as much as you thought after crunching these numbers? I'm very convicted by this. When I did this number crunching, I'm like, okay, time to up the percent. 
<laughs> of course, you know, I'm oversimplifying it a little bit. I just did some kind of general number crunching. Most of us pay mortgages. That means you don't really own your house just yet. Your bank owns a big part of it. But what about stock, though? What if we talk about owning stocks or shares in a company? What if you get dividends, royalties? Do you include this in your net worth? Do you calculate that when you decide in your heart how much you want to give to the Lord? And I don't want to make giving sound like an obligation because that's not the spirit of it. Although in the law, that's what God expected. God said, this is how much each of you is going to give. I mean, they were supporting a nation there. They were supporting the priests. They were supporting the temple. There was a lot behind this when you look at it. But God was teaching the nation of Israel to give generously because God was blessing them bountifully. And we see how they reacted when it came time even to build the temple in Exodus 35. How everybody wanted to give. And they gave so much that Moses had to say, okay, stop giving. And we see, wow, what a spirit, what a heart they had. See, that's what God looks at. But when we compare ourselves to the rest of the world, we could be considered rich, couldn't we? Some people don't even own a pair of shoes. Some people live literally with a dirt floor. And I'm, not, I'm not appealing to your guilt here, but I'm trying to appeal to your sense of gratitude, knowing how much God has blessed you. Have you ever wanted to read the Bible in plain English, a language that you can actually understand and follow? Well, there is a translation like that called God's Word Translation by God's Word to the Nations Mission Society. This is the only translation of the Bible in English that follows a dynamic equivalent translation philosophy. It makes the Bible very easy to understand and it flows very naturally in the English language. You can follow along my podcast where I read to you from God's Word translation for one whole year. You can search for the podcast on Spotify or your favorite podcast reader. Search for God's Word Translation by God's Word to the Nation Mission Society. You can also look it up under my name, Pedro Gelibert. And money's not the only thing we give either. We give our time. We give our attention. I thank you for giving me your attention. Some of us, the only thing we can pay is attention, right? Time is money, as some say. And for some of us, sometimes giving time is harder than giving money. Hey, brother, would you like to volunteer to clean up things? Uh, no, but how much can I give? <laughs> We'd rather give money because time is worth a lot. And time with the family is, uh, what is it? Priceless, like the ad used to say some time ago. So what about the New Testament? What do we do? Pedro, you gave us an example of how this would apply with the tithing of the Old Testament. What about the New Testament? Well, we don't tithe in the New Testament, contrary to some what people may believe. So the short answer is no. However, I believe this Old Testament ballpark is helpful. Because if the poorest Jew, if God expected the poorest Jew to give 10%, then, you know, I should at least start there, <laughs> right? I, if God says he loves a generous giver, then, okay, a good place, a good starting life for generosity 
would be 10%, don't you think? That's, that's my logic. Okay, maybe you're like, well, that's illogical. So, but I'm going to leave you, though, with the encouragement of the Spirit when it comes to this question. How much do I give? Acts 20, verse 35 says, I have given you an example that by working hard like this, we should help the weak. We should remember the words that the Lord Jesus said, giving gifts is more satisfying than receiving them. So here's the Apostle Paul encouraging the church that we ought to work hard, that we ought not to be lazy, that each one of us, if we are of working age, should work a job, if not for the purpose of helping those who can't help themselves, at the very least. That's why I should have a job, not just to support me, but also to support those who might not be able to support themselves because giving is more blessed than receiving. And that's really the spirit of the Lord here teaching us this kind of generosity. That's what generosity is about. In 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 8, Paul gave this little parable. Remember this, he said, the farmer who plants a few seeds will have a very small harvest. But the farmer who plants because he has received God's blessing. Notice the the thought there. Notice the conviction. I have received God's blessing, so I'm planting because I am blessed. He will receive a harvest of God's blessing in return. Then he says in verse 7, each of you should give whatever you have decided. It's really a choice when it comes down to it. Between you and the Lord, it's nobody else's business to know what you gave. It's your choice. But you shouldn't be, as he says here, you shouldn't be sorry that you gave or feel forced to give because God loves a cheerful giver. So I should give cheerfully and I should give like it says here because looking back, man, you know, I may not have much right now. I look at my bank account. I don't have enough, but I feel blessed even, even in that situation, I'm blessed. So I want to give out of that blessing, not out of, oh, I don't have enough. Now, of course, we're not asked to give what we don't have, but too often we get trapped into an amount. And what I'm trying to tell you here, it's not necessarily an amount, but more important to God, as it was the tithe, right, that bottom line there of the tithe, It seems to be a percent, an amount. So when it comes down to it, if you're not sure, how do I give? But I want to give generously. I don't want to feel forced to give. Then think of that tithe as a good starting place and see where you go from there. Verse 8 says, Besides, God will give you His constant overflowing kindness. Then, when you always have everything you need, you can do more and more good things. Look at that. Blessing upon blessing. Having everything we need. We have to learn also how to come to a level of satisfaction. If I have 50 pairs of shoes and I still think I need more, okay, uh, maybe something's wrong with my thinking, right? If I have five cars and I still think I need some more cars, Okay, now I have to learn to be content. I'm having a problem with materialism here. You see where I'm going with this? So I have to 
I have to understand what God has given me, that I have everything that I need, that I don't go overboard in materialism because the purpose of me even working or having something at the end of the day is not just to fulfill myself, but to also provide for others because it is more blessed to give than to receive. And I should be giving out of the abundance that God gives me. Not accumulate at all. Just in case something happens. There is a parable about that too, about the guy who wanted to keep accumulating and accumulating and accumulating. And then all of a sudden, you remember what happened? God said, well, today's the day you go home. And then who, who was left everything? He didn't get to enjoy anything. So the theology of giving, according to this passage, I summarized it here in six points. Work hard. Yeah, well, that's part of the American dream, so that's good. We're all on the same page there. Work hard. Not too hard, though. You know, remember, you got to take your time off. Don't overwork yourself. Don't be a workaholic. But don't just work hard for you. Oh, I'm working hard. I'm putting a lot of money because I want to be rich. Well, there, you're going to have a problem if that's why you do it. Because that's not where blessing is found. But if I'm working hard, because number two, I want to be able to help. I want to be able to help others. That's what I see in the New Testament. That's what I see the apostles thinking about. That's what I see Jesus thinking about. That's where I see God's Spirit directing people to work so that I can have not just enough for me, but enough for those who are going to need something once in a blue moon. Because I may be in that position at, at one point, right? We never know what's going to happen. All of a sudden, I may be out of a job or I may get sick, and now I'm in need. Number three, giving is better than receiving. Number four, give believing you've been blessed. Number five, attitude is what matters. God loves a cheerful giver. And number six, use what you've been given for the good of others. That's what I see the theology of giving is according to that passage that we read in Corinthians. So that gives us a great guideline, doesn't it? For giving. How should I give? Somebody asks you, well, how do I give? Do I tithe? You say, well, tithing was kind of like a, a basic idea that God gave the people in the Old Testament. But if you really know what God loves now, direct them to that passage in Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 8. I think it contains the best verses on the theology of giving according to the New Testament. Let's go back to the widow. We haven't even, we haven't finished with the widow. So Jesus is observing, right? He sees people putting large amounts. Is Jesus impressed? Then he sees a poor widow dropped in two small coins worth less than a cent. Widows were typically poor in Jewish society. They were considered the most defenseless, the most helpless segment of society. So much so that God even made special laws in the Old Testament that distinguished the Jews from any other nation concerning how God wanted to help these people that were uh, defenseless and helpless in society. The New Testament also provides for widows in God's kingdom. Acts chapter 6, 1 through 6, James 1, 27. We see that even the deaconship or something like it, rose out of this just for the provision of the widows. 
And this particular widow dropped into the treasury two small copper coins worth less than one cent of today's money. The Greek says lepta. That's the word it uses, which was not even a coin per se, but it was a flake. It was like the smallest little flake of metal. Apparently, that's how they were. It's like a little flake of a penny. Like, let me scrape the penny, and here, here you go. <laughs> that's kind of like what it was. That's why it was so worthless. But that's all she had. This Roman coin was worth one sixty-fourth of a denarius. A denarius is a day's wage. That's what a day's wage was in the New Testament. So she gave one sixty-fourth of a day's wage. No, I'm sorry. She gave two copper coins. Let me correct myself. So that's, got to do my math here. I'm not good at math. She gave one thirty-second, right? Am I right? She gave two copper coins. Math people, thank you, Anu. <laughs> there you go. I got to get my fractions right. She gave one thirty-second of a day's wage in today's money. So you want to crunch some numbers with me again? How much was that? Well, let's say if I earn $20 an hour. That's pretty good, right? $20 an hour? Some of you are like, no. <laughs> Some of you are like, yeah. <laughs> $20 an hour. So if you earn $20 an hour, you make roughly $150 a day, right? So what's one thirty-second of that? That's 4.7 cents. That's what it comes down to. So the widow gave 4.7 cents. That's what she gave. Four pennies and a little more than half of another one. So Jesus calls his disciples and he says to them, I can guarantee this truth. This poor widow has given more than all the others. Jesus wanted to teach his disciples about giving in this instance. And it was more than an amount. It was about the heart. In the Greek here, when we read what Jesus said here in the Greek, what he means to say is that what the widow gave, that 4.7 cents, was more than all together. Everything that everyone put together. Let's say it was a million dollars that everybody put together. And he says that 4.7 cents was more than that. That's divine math for you. <laughs> That's Jesus math, right? He said, that is worth more. Why? Because the widow wanted to give. The widow felt blessed. And so she didn't give half of what she... Imagine if she gave half of what she had. That would have been a lot, wouldn't it? Two, what's 4.7 divided by 2? I don't even know. It's 2 point something, right? That's the closest I'll get. But that, if she would have given that, who could have faulted her? Hey, you only have two copper coins. Give one. That would, have been, that would have been my advice to her. But the widow says, no, God's got my back. I'll give it all. Wow. If you like this podcast, please show your support by clicking on the support link on my Anchor FM profile. This ensures I will continue producing authentic Christian content as the Lord allows me. Thank you and have a blessed day.
She wanted to give. She didn't make excuses, but that was the heart. And Jesus recognized that. To us, it might be laughable, but that gift and that motive touched God so much that we're still talking about it 2,000 years later. It's recorded right in the New Testament. And we're still talking about it. So the widow is still teaching us a lesson because of her heart. All of them have given what they could spare, Jesus says. Notice how, what God's looking at here. They have given what they spared. Bill Gates gave 5%. That's what he could spare. 589 million for him was like five cents for you. You know? Oh yeah, you want, want a cup of coffee? You want to buy a Starbucks? That to him is like having a cup of coffee, right? I'll buy Starbucks just to get a cup of coffee. They gave what they could spare. It's easy to give when you have $50 in your pocket and you have a million dollars in the bank. Somebody says, I need some money. Yeah, here you go. It's easy to give. But she gave, Jesus says here, she gave in her poverty. Now that's when it's hard. You know, some of you have gone through some rough financial times throughout COVID. Uh, this summer, I went through a rough time, man. If I hadn't taken Dave Ramsey's course when Robert gave it that long ago, and I wouldn't have started working on my emergency budget back then, I don't know where I would be. Maybe somebody would put the black box out here for Pedro because he needs help. <laughs> Seriously. I mean, like, okay, how much are we going to deplete the emergency budget? It's gone way low. But thank God, thank God, I was prepared. But sometimes it hits you, right? You don't know what's happening. One thing happens at the other. Like they say, when it rains, it pours. And you're like, Lord, how much more? <laughs> but at the same time, I was thankful because when the seven fat cows were there, I put away. And so now when the seven thin cows were coming, <laughs> it's like, hey, it's time to pull out, <laughs> pull out. Okay, how much are we going to be pulling out? Hey, God gave you all this, drain it down to the bottom because he is in control. That really tests your faith, doesn't it? That tests your faith. And so this widow in her poverty, she gave everything she had to live on. So see, we tend, what Jesus is pointing out here is that we tend to give what is left over. We tend to give what we can spare. We do this all the time. When you come home from work, dads, most of you are dads, right? You work all day, you come home, you are spent because you gave your energy to your job. And so when you get home, what do you give your kids and your wife? What's left over. And sometimes it's not that much. But we don't want to give what is left. We want to give what is right. We want to give all that we are, all who we are. And if we're thinking about it the right way, everything that I have is whose? <laughs> it's the Lord, even my very life. So when I think I'm giving something, 5, 10%, 15%, whatever it may be, God says, yeah, I'm letting you believe that you're giving me back something. 
but I own you. <laughs> so we have to realize that the hills and the 10,000 cows on it are all God's. And God is not impressed with how much I'm giving. Because he says, everything is mine. You can't give me anything. So when we give, what are we showing really? What's the important thing there? The heart. How blessed am I, Lord, that I get to give something. I know you don't need anything. But we're all here as a body. We're doing something. God, you open the doors for us to do something together. And the Lord is going to be happy when we all give in the same spirit towards what we're doing. Because that's when we see the heart. Two important lessons we learn from the widow's conduct. A lesson of humiliation to the rich. Because by covetousness, you know, we might think we're giving something and we give all this money, but we're giving what we can spare. And that's not what God is really looking to. And the second lesson is a rebuke. It's a rebuke to the poor who might say, well, I don't have anything to give. And the widow proves you wrong. Oh, yes, you do. Where's your heart? Double lessons. So to start wrapping this up, Six lessons we can learn from the widow's giving. Number one, everyone should give. Whether you're rich or poor, it doesn't matter. <laughs> because God doesn't judge or see as you do. God's looking at the heart, not at the amount. And a third thing here, giving has to hurt. You know, that's what we see in the scripture. It has to cost us something. If we're giving what, is, what, what, is, what we can spare, and it's not really hurting. You know that King David taught us that lesson because somebody wanted to give him a piece of land where he wanted to build an altar to the Lord because the man was generous and he liked King David and King David says hey you know I, I want to use this land here to build an altar to God to give thanks and the guy says it's yours and David says no 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 I'm not going to worship God for free I'm not going to give offerings to the Lord that cost me nothing and he says, pay this man what this is worth. And I'm like, wow, okay. That's part of the heart of giving. It's got to cost me something. It has to be sacrificial, as we also learn from the widow here. Also, our giving needs to reflect that we trust God. If I'm giving what I can spare, am I really trusting the Lord? Or am I padding my bank account? Because that's what I trust in. <laughs> we got to trust the Lord, not our wealth. God cares about your heart, not your wallet. He's not looking at your bank account. He's not looking at your amount. He's going to be impressed with your desire and with your heart. Jesus always looks at the heart. Jesus is either going to be pleased or he's going to be like, like he didn't even flinch when the other people were giving large amounts of money. We don't get any reaction. But the widow gives two coins and Jesus goes into a whole lesson. <laughs> you tell me who he was impressed by. Do you think Jesus is looking at us and how we give? I mean, look at him in that passage that we just read. He was just sitting there and he was just looking at the people giving. You often think about what Jesus is doing, looking at us. 
Let's see what these people are doing here in this Long Island Church of Christ. I'm going to open some doors for them. I'm going to see what they're going to do with this opportunity I'm giving them. Let's see what these people do. Let's see how much they trust me. Let's see how much they believe I can get them to. Because this is really where the Lord's going to take us. But we got to show that we're in it also as well. Quick question. What stops you from giving sacrificially? I have to ask myself that question. What stops me? What am I afraid of? I think there's a short answer and there's a long answer. Short answer, I don't believe God's provision is sufficient. I got to prepare myself for the emergencies. I got to pad my bank account. I got to get ready. I got to have an emergency budget like Dave Ramsey told me in the case of the emergency. Now, I'm not saying that's not a bad idea. I'm saying that's a great idea. It can really save your bacon. But careful where you put your trust in. Who are we trusting? Sometimes our eyes are too big. Uh, we may think that our giving is not going to make a difference. That's what I thought I, when I was a, a young man, you know, in the church, and I started to learn about giving. I'm like, you know, I work at McDonald's. I was earning at the time $6 an hour, which was, you know, a, a, a generous amount because I think the minimum wage at that time was five twenty-five an hour. I was making 6 an hour because I was closing. I don't have a quick mind to figure out how much that was a week. But I'm like, how much can I give? I mean, I used to tell Bob, Bob, does it going to make a difference, really, what I give? But it was not about that, is it? It's not about whether I can make a difference or not. It's who do I believe is leading this church? Who do I believe is the head? And what does he want from me? And how can I become a participant? Because where I put my money makes a difference to God. That's what it's about. Don't hold back because you think you can't give enough. It's between you and the Lord, remember. It's not really about trying to be perfect or trying to give the best. It's about being faithful. Look deep into your heart. These acts of sacrificial giving, really they're just a small reflection of the Spirit of Christ. Because if we're born of God, if we're children of God, born of God, we're going to reflect the quality of our parent, aren't we? And so if we're in the world and we want the world, then it's the stench of the world that's going to come off us. But if we're in Christ, it's the aroma of Christ. And what is the aroma of Christ but the gospel? And what is sacrificial giving but the gospel? illustrated there in all its glory how Jesus gave everything of himself not just money because that's not important to God but his very life to atone for us so that we wouldn't have to know what eternal punishment is and so in turn while we obey the gospel and we are baptized for the forgiveness of sins that's a show that Lord I believe that I don't want to follow this worldly paradigm anymore, but I trust you, and now I'm going to give myself up to you. And that's what we do when we get baptized. We're, we're now living and walking in the footsteps of Christ, learning to be sacrificial in everything that we do, not just in our giving. So it's a work in progress, all of us together. It's a work in progress. And that's why these lessons really resonate with us and help us grow. That's the whole point of this. So if the Spirit has made you notice something today in your life, 
made you notice why you hold back at times? Or maybe how you need to grow as a child of God? Well, let's pray about it together because that's one thing that we do as a family. We pray together. We have some awesome elders that God has put before us so that we can pray with them and explore this growth that God wants us to go through and this faith and this heart with them through prayer. Let's not hold on to guilt or a sense of shame or self-doubt, but let's come clean before the Lord, as the scriptures say, so that we can find healing because God is opening some awesome doors for us and we all want to walk through together and collectively see the blessing of God, as we have already seen it, because we, we've already tasted and seen that the Lord is good, amen? I know we have, but there's more, brothers and sisters. We haven't even gotten started. There's a lot the Lord wants us to do, and we should be so honored that He has chosen us to do it with. Isn't that amazing? So come together, let's pray, and let's thank the Lord. God bless you. Have a good day. Mm-hmm.